Amen. Lord Jesus, so now as we come to your word, we open our hearts to you now. Pray, Lord, that you would speak into each and every life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Pastor David coming to share the word with us this morning. Pastor David looks after our young adults ministry, as well as a lot of our community outreach that takes place. And I'd love it if you could make David feel really welcome as he comes to bring the word this morning. Thanks so much. It is working. We haven't tested this yet, so hopefully it goes all right. But uh, thanks so much. A real privilege and honor to um, share with you this morning. Uh, Let me just pray. I know we've prayed, but we know uh, this is our culture, isn't it? Much prayer, much power. And so let me just pray, and then uh, we'll get into God's Word. Father, we, um, we thank you this morning for the privilege and honor it is to come together, united, and, and to come and to hear from your word, great God. We pray, Father, that this morning you'd speak to our hearts, that Holy Spirit, that you would move so sovereignly, that you would um, challenge us in such a way that we're compelled to go, that this would be more than just words, Father God, but it would take action in our lives, great God, that we would surrender, that we would obey as we hear your word this morning, Father, and that you'd compel us to go out. And to see this applied to our very lives, Father God, not just now, but this week, this year, and for the remainder of our lives that we have here on this earth, great God, that you might use us. And so, Lord, we know that your word is powerful. We know your word does not come back void, Father God, and we pray this morning that that's exactly what would take place as we hear from your word this morning. So bless, great God, we ask. Speak to us, we ask, Father, in Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen, amen. We've started a series called He Came, looking at some of the uh, times where Jesus has spoke about uh, why he came to this earth. This morning, we're going to look at just one verse, actually, but a verse in John 6, 38. It'll come up on the screen if we've got it there. But it says this, Jesus', Jesus words, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, powerful, not to do my will, but to do the will of the one, uh, sorry, to do the will of him who sent me. For I have come down from heaven not to do the will, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And going on from this verse, and I'm not going to preach necessarily these these other two verses, but going on from this, Jesus continues, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, I just put that in there because I thought it was interesting. Well, what is the will of Jesus? And He goes on to talk about the will of of reaching those in our community and those around us, that this is His desire and this is His heart. But what we understand at the very, in verse 38, is what we understand is the will of Jesus is to come and to obey the Father. It's so clear here that his desire and his will is not about himself, but it's actually about the Father's will, that this is the epitome of discipleship. This is what Jesus talks about. If this is how Jesus lived, then this is how we must live, in obedience to the Father. Not our will, not our desire, but to do the will of the Father. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will, Heavenly Father. This is his desire, this is his heart for us. And if this is, like I said, if this is how Jesus modeled what it means to live this spiritual journey, then this is how we must live. In obedience to the Father's 
will. I'm convinced if we grab a hold of this, if we catch this, that we'll see extraordinary things take place through our lives, not because we're doing or we're working out of our own strength, but because we're doing the Father's will. It's the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as He comes and moves through our life and does extraordinary things. We'll experience that in our lives, but in order to experience that, we must obey the Father. Listen and obey, not my will, but your will. And so we discover in this verse, as Jesus begins, he says it right at the start, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will. In other words, in order to do the will of the Father, there must be a a desire or requirement, not a requirement, maybe that's not a great word, but there must be something in us that says, hey, my my life is not about me. It's a denial of self. It's a, a denial of trying to go our own way or do our own desire or do our own will. We must be conscious, we must be intentional about uh, not wanting to, to follow our own desires. And this is what D- Jesus describes here. It's a denial of his own idea, of his own agenda, of his own will, and saying, hey, I want to follow the Father. In order for us to do and to live as Jesus walked, to see spiritual power outworking through our lives, then we must obey. We must deny our own desire and to follow him. Now, I understand this is hard, isn't it? It's difficult. I don't know if you've noticed recently, but everywhere I see it through marketing and billboards and television and radio and and all around us, our culture tells us that your life is all about you. The culture around us drives into us. It's all about you. Live for you. Have the holiday. Do all this. And it's not bad to have the holiday and get the cars and the houses and all those things, but your life is all about you. Don't think about those around you. You want to climb the corporate ladder, go for it. And if you have to pull people down around you, then don't worry about it because your life is all about you. And so we're bombarded in this culture. We're bombarded in our lives. Everything that we see around us is that it's all about us. And Jesus says, actually, it's quite the opposite. Your life is not about you. How we need to live is a a denial of self. We need to die to self and live for him. We need to die to our own desires, our own will, our, our, our own agenda, agenda, and we need to live for him. This is how Jesus modeled it. This is how he lived. Our life is not our own. And if we're to capture this, if we're to live in obedience, then we must learn to say, my life is not about me. We must learn to deny our own desires. A quote by A.W. Pink says this, The first step toward a daily following of Christ is the denying of self. The first step toward a daily following of Christ is the denying of self. God wants to bring us in obedience to him. And when we do, the Christian walk will be so thrilling, so exciting, so extraordinary. You'll see things that you'll stand back and say, I could never have done that. That's exactly why you could never have done it, because it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit outworking through you. This is the work of God in our lives as we obey him. And I get it. it it's not easy. This is tough. It's hard because everything in so I, I'm naturally selfish. I'm naturally selfish. I want to do what I want to do all the time. That's just the reality. And I think if you were to be honest here this morning, I think that's the reality. If you look deep within your heart, our hearts are naturally selfish. We want to do what we want to do. That's just the way we're wired. 
A little while ago, I think I've mentioned this in the night service, I don't think I mentioned the, the morning service, but a little while ago, my daughter, she's about three and a half, and um, my daughter was just sitting, and I don't remember the, the exact details, but I remember she was sitting at our kitchen table eating dinner one night, and it was like spaghetti bolognese that we'd cut up for her. It's like her favorite uh, dinner meal, and she was cutting it up, and she was just mucking around, and I remember saying to her, or maybe it was a cup of water, I think it might have been a cup of water, and I remember there was a cup of water there that she had, and she was eating her spaghetti bolognese, and she had the cup right beside her, and I could see what was going to happen as she was kind of trying to cut and move her with her spaghetti bolognese and things. And I said to my daughter, I said, Grayson, just move the cup away from you so you don't spill your water everywhere. And she said, no, it's fine, Dad. And I said, Grayson, I just want you to do this for Dad. Can you please just move the cup aside so you don't spill your water? And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is how she talks to me sometimes. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's true. Actually, if you want to know the full story, sometimes I ask her to do something. She says, no, 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 no. She says, trust me, Dad. <laughs> this is how she talks. She's three going on, uh, um, what do they call it? Oh, I don't know. I forgot. I've lost her. But this is how she talks sometimes. No, 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 trust me, Dad. And I say, yeah, okay, I do trust you, but can you please just move the water to the side? I walk away for just a moment. Within about three seconds, next minute, psh, I hear water go all over the table, all over the floor. She starts crying and, and, and carrying on. And I remember in my head, and I, you know, I was really gracious about it or whatever, but I remember in my head, in that moment, in my head, I said these words. I said, Graceland, if you just listened to me, your life would be so much easier. <laughs> and as I said that, I didn't say that out loud, but in my head, I thought your life would be so much easier. As I said that, the Holy Spirit said to me, clear as day, he said, yes, David, that is true. <laughs> that is true. It's so easy to read the Bible, isn't it? And we look at the Old Testament stories, we see the Israelites, and we think, how dumb. Like, why did they keep turning their back on God? The truth is, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Time and time again, I need to come back to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I continue to keep going my own way, doing what I want to do. And God says, trust me, follow me, obey me, and see what I, what I could do through your life. It's not easy. But this is where God wants to bring us. Not my will, your will. Not my will, your will for my life, God. Every morning we must wake up with this heart and this intentionality. God, today is your day. God, all the resources that I have, all the finances that I have, all, all the, you know, the car, the house, the job that you have given me, all these things that I have today, it's all yours anyway. I am simply a steward of all the things that you have given me. Holy Spirit, maybe as you drive to work, as you wake up in the morning, as you spend time with God in the morning, say to God in the morning, say, God, this day is not about me. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me today. What do you want me to do today? I am a vessel in the hands of you to be used by you. What do you want me to do? Maybe you could say that on your way to work as you drive or, 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 or making lunch for the kids, whatever it might be. Say, Holy Spirit, this day is yours. I am yours. I surrender my life to you. What do you want me to do? And Holy Spirit, help me to obey, obey you as you call me to do something. He may prompt you to buy a coffee for someone. He may prompt you to go next door to your next, next door neighbor. He may prompt you to make a phone call. Have you ever been driving somewhere? Have you ever been sitting doing a quiet time and for some reason somebody comes to your mind? You don't know why? And it could be somebody that you haven't seen for many years, but a person comes to your mind and you think, why, why did that person come to my mind? It's probably the Holy Spirit prompting you, call them, send them the verse that you were just reading. The amount of times I've felt prompted where I've been reading the word and someone comes to mind and I think, okay, 
well, maybe I should just send that verse. And I don't know what the outcome is. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's significant for him. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. What, our, what we have to do is obey the Father's will. If he prompts us to send a verse, we flick it off. If he prompts us to drop next door to our neighbor, we go and do it. And we act in obedience. But I've got to be honest, the amount of times, and it hasn't happened all the times, there's times where I've sent a message through or I've phoned someone and I've just said, hey, uh, there's no reason for the call. I just thought I'd give you a call, see how you're going. And there's been times where people have said, I cannot believe the timing of your call. I cannot believe it. The times I've sent off a verse to somebody and they said, you know, I was driving past a business of a guy in this church the other day and for some reason I felt prompted to send a specific text and I was driving. And I mean, we lead busy lives, don't we? So this is what I thought. I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll write it later. But the Holy Spirit was strong on my heart. No, obey. Slow obedience. It's been said slow obedience is disobedience. Slow obedience is disobedience. And, and I really felt prompted. I thought, well, if God has come to do this, and, and so I even pulled over. I didn't even do it illegally. I wrote the text. I pulled over. I pulled over and I wrote this text out and I just, you know, whatever God prompted me and I sent the text off and I thought, I, I don't even know if, you know, I've got no idea if that's relevant to this person or not. About five minutes later, a text came back, you have no idea of the timing of your text. Has God ever prompted you to call someone, buy a coffee? Just simple act of obedience. Simple act of obedience. Not my will, but your will. This is the example of Jesus as he lived his life. This is how he lived. We see it littered throughout the Bible. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, not mine, his work. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you are willing, this is the Garden of Gethsemane, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. John 17, 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Not my will, but you have given me to do, Father. John 14, 31, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. That throughout the Bible, Jesus is obeying his father, obeying his father, in perfect unity with his father, obeying his father. And did not Jesus leave an extraordinary legacy? Extraordinary legacy. The reason we're sitting here today is because of, of Jesus' desire and will to obey the father's will, not his will, but the father's will. This is what God calls us into. Not our will. We wake up every morning, not my will, God, your will today. What do you want me to do? And help me, Holy Spirit, to walk in obedience to that. And I get it. This is hard. It's not easy to do this. I remember a little while ago when I was carpentering, when I was building, and uh, sometimes I would go down, probably most times actually, I'd go down to the local bakery and get lunch. And... Uh, and so this one particular day, I went down to the local bakery, and there was a lady there that was serving me. And so I'm standing, there's the, the bakery counter, I'm standing there, and she's grabbing some of the food that I had ordered, and we were just chatting generally. And then she made a comment about her neck being really sore. And, and I don't know why, I don't always feel like this, but she spoke about, I'm seeing a, a, a chiropractor or somebody this afternoon about my neck, it's, it's been so sore. And I, I've never... Uh, you know, I've never felt like this so much before, but for some reason in that moment, here I am standing in the bakery, local bakery, for some reason I felt this prompting in my heart, pray for healing for this lady. And, and I don't know what your thoughts are around that, and I don't, you know, 
I just, yeah, it was kind of this, this, this real prompting. And so what do you do in that moment? Here I am, just a public place, a local bakery. People are coming and going. And so I had a wrestle with God, didn't I? You know, because what, what am I going to do? And I said this to God. I said, God, like, you know, what am I going to look like? This is what we say, don't we? What am I, what am I going to do? Like lean over the counter and pray for her? You know, what if someone comes in, you know? And I'm standing there praying like, you know, I'm going to feel awkward. This is awkward. And the Holy Spirit stayed on my case. He said, pray for healing for this lady. Pray for her neck. And I remember thinking it was so strong. It's that, it was that moment I, I, could, I, had, I had faith that something was probably going to happen. If it was a leading from the Holy Spirit and I really sensed something was going to happen, then it probably would have. And this morning, the thing is this. I would love to tell you about this extraordinary healing that took place. But I can't because I didn't do it. There's been times in your life you felt prompted to do something. And if we want to see the power of God, if we want to see the miraculous things take place, which can happen in our lives, it's what God wants to do through your life, then we've got to obey. This morning, I would love to stand here and say it was the most extraordinary thing as I just prayed a simple prayer for this lady. Her neck was healed and, you know, she responded to Christ. You know, it'd be an amazing story, wouldn't it? It'd be incredible to tell you, but I can't. So I didn't do it. What are the things that God's prompted you to do that you haven't done? Now, I get it. It's, it's not easy. It's tough. It's hard sometimes, but this is what God wants to do in our lives. Bring us to a place of surrender and obedience to him. How do we hear his voice? How do we know? It comes in, a, in an intimacy with God, sitting and reading his word, in prayer, seeking the Father all the time, hearing his voice. Sometimes we think, okay, God may prompt us or lead us to do something. We think, okay, maybe I won't necessarily do that because it's scary and it's fearful and what people will think of me, but, but God, I'll do this for you instead. A classic example might be God prompts you to give away some money and you think, ah, oh, you know, we're sort of short this week. I don't know if I can do that. And so rather than give away the money, you say, but I'll give you my time, God. I'll go down to the church and I'll volunteer or I'll do something. But God says, I want you to give away the money. God says, I want you to do this. We need to act in obedience. And it's easy to say, I'll do something else instead. And yet he wants us to obey. I remember a little while ago, well, quite a long time ago, actually, I can't remember my exact age, but maybe eight, nine, 10 years old, I'm not sure. But I had a friend over as well on this particular day and I was at, um, yeah, I was going to say I was living at my mum and dad's and yes, I was at nine years old, but... Um, <laughs> I was at home one day and my mate was over and we'd just had lunch, I think. And I remember my dad had been working out in the yard and my mum had said to me, listen, David, I just need to duck you on the road to grab a few things. I want you to just clean the kitchen for me. That's all I want you to do. And I don't know what it is. I, I, I still don't really like cleaning the kitchen. So maybe, uh, maybe as I talk it out, I'm like, oh, there's something there. Why, why don't I like cleaning the kitchen? But she asked me one simple thing to just clean the kitchen. I just want you to clean up the kitchen. We just had lunch. The kitchen was a bit of a mess. As I go out, just clean the kitchen for me. So I heard my mum. She got in the car and she started reversing out of the driveway. And I remember thinking, I don't know why I thought this, but I just thought, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to clean the kitchen. You know, it's annoying for whatever reason. I don't really know. But as I looked out the windows, they've got these windows. They back onto the Capera Golf Course. And as I looked out the windows, the windows look dirty. And I don't know why I thought this in my head. But I decided that day, I'm going to clean the windows instead. 
And so I quickly grabbed a bucket and I put this, you know, the, the um, chemicals or whatever, the cleaning chemicals in the bucket. And, and I don't even know how I did it. I must have been, maybe I'm a natural leader because I wrote my mate into doing it with me as well. He was over our house. And so we went to town cleaning these windows and they looked amazing. And I was so excited because my, I knew my mum wasn't gone too long, but we quickly cleaned all these windows and I was so excited for my mum to come home and to return and I couldn't wait to show her. And I hear, the, gar- I hear the, um, the car come into the garage and she opened the, the garage door that led into the kitchen. As she walked in, I was so excited to show her the windows. Now, I don't think I need to express to you the response of my mother when I said, Mom, look at the windows. She didn't care about the windows. She said, what? why is I asked you to do one thing and you couldn't even do it? Sometimes God commands us or calls us to do something and we kind of think, okay, I won't necessarily do that because it's difficult and hard, but I'll do something else for you, God. And we do it in order to think maybe God will be impressed with that. And so I cleaned the windows in order thinking my mum will be impressed. She wasn't impressed at all. He wants obedience. When he calls us to do something, we act on the very thing that he calls us to do. We act on that thing. The extraordinary thing is, is that as we walk in obedience to him, it brings blessing to our lives. It brings joy to our lives. This is the amazing thing. Sometimes for some of you, you may be sitting here and think, I don't want to do that for God because then I'll miss out or I'll lose something. I don't want to let go of that thing that God has let me to go, let, asked me to, to let go of because then I'll miss out. Some of you even here this morning, you wouldn't say you're a Christian, but it's the very reason you don't want to um, surrender your life to him because you think in your heart that you're going to miss out if you do. He's calling you out. He's saying, surrender your life to me. And you think, I can't do it. I can't do it. I want to be in control. I want to have control of my life. But don't you realize that your heavenly father is so good. He's got an extraordinary plan and purpose for your life. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him with your life. The greatest, the, the, most, the greatest thing we can do with our lives is surrender to him. He'll do a far better job of our lives than we ever will. And so we surrender to him. This morning, maybe you have never done that before, to trust your life. But you know, this is ongoing. Even when we come to faith and we trust him with our lives, we need to do this daily, over and over again. God, I trust you today. I surrender my life to you today. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And to walk in that. He's a good dad. He's a great dad. He's an awesome dad. And I really believe, this is why I'm so passionate about helping people encounter him because I really believe if people could just encounter him, their lives would never be the same again because he's that great. He's that extraordinary. Do you really believe in your heart that he's a good dad and he's only got good things for your life, that you can trust him? Part of the reason we don't want to obey is because we, we don't understand the depths of his love and the goodness of his love. Sometimes it holds us back. When you love something so much, it's not a burden to obey. Some of you love shopping. Some of you love coffee. You don't get up in the morning and think, oh, man, I've got to go make a coffee. You know, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I've got to make this coffee. You You don't act like that. Why? Because you love coffee. Some of you love watching football. It's not a burden for you to, to put on the TV, to organize your mates to come around and to put on the footy and watch the footy. It's easy. Why? Because you love it. You love it. And the extraordinary thing is this, that when we obey God, there's a joy and there's a privilege and there's an honor when it comes to obeying God. I read this quote by David Livingston. I love this quote. He says, if a commission 
by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? And this is how we feel sometimes. We feel, oh God, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I get it. It's not easy. It's not easy. But we can trust him. We can trust him with our lives. Ian Bounds, I've got this book by Ian Bounds at home and specifically around prayer. But I tell you what, the book is thick. Like it's dead set that thick. I didn't know you could write that much about prayer. But he is the man when it comes to prayer. Ian Bounds says this, if two angels were to receive at the same moment a commission from God, one to go down to rule the earth's grandest empire, the other to go and sweep the streets of its meanest village, it would be a matter of entire indifference to each which service fell to his lot. The post of ruler or the post of scavenger for the joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will. The joy of the angels lies only in obedience to God's will. There is a joy and there is a privilege and there is an honour to serve the king of the universe. When I came to faith, God saved my life. I deserve hell. We all do. And when we understand the depths of what Jesus has done for us, it is not a burden to serve the king of the universe who has saved your life. I don't understand it. This is an honour and it's an absolute privilege to serve the king of the universe. If you drown in the ocean and someone drags you out and revives you on the beach, you don't think, oh, see you later. You stand before them and you say, what can I do for you? I owe you my life. I owe you my life. And God has saved our lives. Death and hell is not our, is not eternity if you come to Christ. And so to lay down our lives and say, what can I do for you is the simplest thing that we could do. Is, is, is the only response that we can do. God, I give my life back to you because you've given me everything. It's not a burden to serve the king of the universe. This is the greatest honour and privilege that we could ever do with our lives to serve him. The joy and the honour and the privilege to serve the king that saves your life. I remember a little while ago hearing about a story by Angus Buchan. Maybe some of you heard of Angus Buchan, a South African preacher and evangelist used so powerfully by God at the moment. And an example of, you know, he used to run mighty men's conferences. He did the, the book or the, the movie, Faith Like Potatoes. And Angus Buchan shares a story. Like recently, for example, last year it was, or this year maybe, I can't remember, but he called a prayer meeting in South Africa. 1.2 million people gathered on several farms that they opened up to pray for the nation. Very influential person. God is using so powerfully. And he talks about this, that in order to see the power of God at work in your life, we must be obedient to the will of the Father. He shares a story a little while ago about how one time he was sitting in his like, room praying and seeking God. He gets up very early in the morning. He seeks God all the time. And God had laid on his heart. He's a farmer. God had laid on his heart to sell all his cattle. And he has no idea why but God had laid on his heart to sell all his cattle. And he talks about this, this very thing, to obey, to listen and obey, to act out of an obedience. 
And he's thinking he's struggling with this and wrestling with this huge amount of cattle that he has on this farm. And God says, sell your cattle. And so the, the following day, he organizes this and he ends up just, you know, calling people and ringing around and selling the cattle. And he says, he says, he distinctly remember on this day as he was loading the cattle up onto these, you know, cattle trucks. And he said it was heartbreaking for him to do this. And he still didn't know why. Why do I need to sell these cattle? But he did it out of an act of obedience. And he said he was weeping as these, these cattle are going up onto the back of his truck. Many of them have been born on the farm and, you know, um, uh, you know, grown up from calves on the farm. And he's weeping as he's selling these cattle. Every single one of his cattle he sold. And he said at that time, he got a premium price, a very high price for these cattle. The following week, it was reported that mad cow disease had just gone straight through South Africa and you could not give cattle away. You could not give any cattle away. He sold it for a premium price. God had laid on his heart. He didn't know why, sell the cattle and he did it. Story after story, as we act in obedience, we too will be able to share extraordinary stories of these things taking place in our life. It's not because we're trying to do something for God. It's because we listen to God, we act, and then the power of the Spirit outworks through our lives. We'll experience miracles, we'll experience the power of God. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want that for your life? Obedience brings fruitfulness to our lives as well. I better wrap up. So many stories here. Obedience brings fruitfulness to our lives. God wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to act in obedience and see what the power of God might be able to do through your life. Rick Warren says this, if God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. God will use anybody if you're available. God will use anybody. Time and time again, when you hear these stories of extraordinary things that God has done, aren't you jealous sometimes? Actually, that's a sin. But aren't you sort of, you know, don't, don't you think, man, I'd love to experience that through my life. You can. All these extraordinary stories that people share, they're, they're, not, they're not extraordinary people. They're just ordinary people. But they allow the power of the Holy Spirit to outwork through our lives. Don't you want to see what God could do through your business? Don't you want to see what God could do through your relationships? Don't you want to see what God could do in the neighborhood in which you live? Don't you want to see what God could do in your marriage, what God could do in your children's lives? Don't you want to see the outworking of God? We've got to stop trying to live this Christian life in our own strength and walk in the Spirit and say, listen and obey, listen and obey. What do you want me to do and walk in that? And when we do, we'll see the outworking of God, not the outworking of our fleshly desire take place but the outworking of God, extraordinary things. Maybe this is my last story. Um, a little while ago, I heard this story. You, you, know, you know the author, uh, Lee Strobel, he was a pastor for a little while, but he was a journalist. Lee Strobel wrote some books called The Case for Christ. He was a journalist and basically his wife came to faith and he couldn't believe it when his wife came to faith because he knew that, you know, all this Christian stuff was, was, he believed in his heart it was fake and it was nonsense. And so he went out of his way to prove his wife wrong, that it's fake, it's all, there's nothing to do with it. And so he, he, he went and researched and long story short, he ended up coming to faith. He realized that this is truth, this is reality. He came to faith, he started pastoring, he wrote books and maybe some of you have read it or seen it, The Case for Christ, I think there's DVDs as well. But it looks at some of the research around the evidence of God he was somewhere one day and um, he'd just been, I think, ministering somewhere and this man comes up to him. And this man comes up to him and he says, oh, Lee, um, I just want to thank you for saving my life. 
And Lee's a bit confused and he's thinking in his head, he's thinking, oh, I don't know if you ever felt like this before, but oh my goodness, I cannot recall ever talking to this man. I can't recall ever meeting him. Like, what, how did I save his life? So he went along with it for a little bit. He's like, oh, okay, no worries. And eventually he just thinks, I need to fess up here. And he says, look, I am so sorry. I don't recall uh, meeting you before. He felt so awkward. And he said, oh, you haven't met me. You've never met me. And the man continues on in this story. He says, I want to tell you something. He says, 10 years ago, you were, and, and this is true, Lee Strabel used to work for the Chicago Times or whatever it was as a journalist in this office in Chicago. He said, 10 years ago, he said, I, this guy who was talking to Lee said, I'm a carpet layer. I lay carpets for a living. He said, 10 years ago, I was laying carpet uh, in the, the Chicago Times in the office there. And, um, and, and he sort of continues on with this story. And sorry, I've gone a bit, bit backwards here. But, but as, as um, Lee, Lee Strobel was sharing this story, he talked about the fact that when he was working in the Chicago Times, one day he was sitting at his desk and he felt prompted, he doesn't know why, but he felt prompted to go to one of the offices of his um, other workers and share the gospel with him. He doesn't know why. And he wrestled with that for a little while as he's sitting at his desk and he got up from his seat and he walked into the other office of one of his work colleagues and and he just started to ask him, you know, how's your day going? And then he started to share with him the gospel. And he's thinking, okay, the Holy Spirit's led me here or guided me, you know, something's going to happen here. And he shares the gospel with his friend, his other work colleague in the office there. And he gets to the end as he shares this gospel. And he gets to the end of sharing the gospel and he's thinking, okay, something's going to happen here. And his friend just kind of looks at him and goes, okay, awesome, like, thanks heaps for that. And then Lee just walks out of the room and nothing came of it. And Lee just thought, that was so awkward. That was so embarrassing. God, why did you prompt me to do that? And he goes back to his desk. And this is where he meets this guy 10 years later. And this guy said to him, I want to say, I thank you for saving my life. And he said, 10 years ago, I was laying carpet in the Chicago Times. He said, I was down on my hands and knees and I was laying carpet behind a petition of somewhat one of the officers in the Chicago Times. And as I'm down on my hand and knees, no one saw me, but I was laying carpet there in the corner trying to get the carpet down. And he said, a guy came into the office, asked him how his day was, and then proceeded to share the gospel with his work colleague. He said, that was you. As you shared the gospel, something stopped me. And as I'm on my hands and knees laying carpet behind a petition, you never saw me, but you shared the gospel with your friend that day. And I was there on my hands and knees and my heart leapt. And I remember thinking, I want to respond to that. And he said, as I was laying that carpet behind that petition wall, you never saw me, but I gave my life to Christ as I heard you share the gospel. He said, I want to thank you so much for saving my life. Ten years later, sometimes we don't know. God calls us to do something. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know what's going to happen, but God calls us to be obedient. Not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. And so as we wake up this week, this year, for the remainder of our lives, may we walk in obedience to God and allow the Holy Spirit to outwork through our lives to see extraordinary things take place through our lives as we listen and obey to the Father's promptings. Let's be a people that see God move so sovereignly, corporately, but also individually in the neighbourhood in which we live, in the place in which we work, where we drop the kids off at school, in our workplaces, wherever it might be that God has given you a sphere of influence, that God might use you as you listen and obey, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Father, we just thank you that you're a God who's gracious, we thank you, Father God, that you long to use our lives. 
We thank you, great God, that, um, that not only are we, we're not left alone in this, but great God, you, want, you empower us as well to obey you as you lead us and guide us. And so Father God, we just thank you so much that this very week for many of us here, you are going to lead us and you are going to guide us, great God. And I just pray that in this very room that you would find the people that are obedient to you, surrendered to you, yielded to you, great God, to your plans and to your purposes to see the outworking of you, Holy Spirit, through our lives, to see businesses turned upside down, workplaces turned upside down, our families and marriages, uh, you know, powerfully and positively impacted, Father God, our neighbourhoods by the power of you as we listen and obey you, great God. We thank you, Father. We love you so much. You're a gracious and extraordinary God. And we just wanna see the hand of you at work moving so sovereignly. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our service, we're going to sing a song of worship together, an opportunity for us to actually respond to God's Word to us right now, in fact, as we worship together. And uh, maybe as David's been speaking this morning, the Holy Spirit has been prompting you about something, a situation, a circumstance where He's just saying, hey, I want you to follow me in this circumstance. I want you to follow me in this situation. I want you to follow my prompting in this regard. And if that's you, as we worship, it's an opportunity to say, yes, yes, God, I'm going to follow your will. I want to follow your desire for my life. Maybe you're here and you know, Dave was sharing about prompting just to send someone a message and uh, that's been on your heart. If that's you, if, if God's done that to you, maybe even this service, you can do that right now. Like you can just jump on your phone, send a message. That's good. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. No one will look at you wrong for jumping on your phone. Just to follow that prompting now. Um, if God's prompted you in some way during the service, just to follow in obedience. That's the word God has given to us today. So why don't we stand together as we come to worship, respond, give thanks for all that he has done for us. The bridge great line says, so I give my whole life to follow this love that he has shown to us. Let's worship together as his people. Amen. That is the best news in all the world. I want to mention too that if you're here today, you've never taken that step of obedience, the first step of obedience to say, Jesus, I want to place my life in your hands. Give your life to Jesus. You can do that this morning. We've got these Bible gift packs. We'd love to give this to you, a free gift. In it is a Bible, some information to help you on that journey. But if that's you, the Spirit of God's been prompting you. Come down the front at the end of this service. We'd love to pray with you to help you in that regard. If you'd like prayer for any other needs as well, do come down the front. Our prayer team will be down here. We'd love to pray for you. Please be seated. God bless. Thank you so much for sharing with us today in our service. Don't forget, tea and coffee in the courtyard. Welcome lounge as well. Look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.